my dad would cook for him and all the guides lived in this little we called it the mouse mahal i mean it was just a little rundown shack I'm kind of an addictive person if i ever get on drugs i feel like it's over <laughs> All right, everybody. Appreciate you tuning back in. Just coming off of NWTF in Nashville and excited for this next episode. We've been talking about this one for a little bit and schedules lined up and got a little break here. So we're excited. We got Bo Brooks on. A lot of you guys either heard of Bo or maybe you've just heard him calling. Bo Brooks of Higdon, Riven, Power Calls, you name it. Bo, we're happy that you're on, man. Good to have you. I'm happy to be on. I've been waiting for this invite for a little while. He's the only one. <laughs> the only one everyone else is like god i guess we'll do it he's like eh, either he really wanted to be on or he's just being kind but either way we appreciate it we're just coming off nwtf how was your how was your experience at nwtf nwtf i know you had to leave early but how was your experience at nwtf and how do you liken that to past shows uh, that you've been to for nwtf so i've been going to nwtf since i was roughly 16 years old um even being from washington you know we fly it Dad and I would fly out together. That's kind of something him and I did together. Um, I was calling and whatnot. I don't call anymore, but it's uh, my favorite part, man. I just you can't beat getting to talk to the kids and call and and hear all the stories. And man, it's just it's my favorite show of the year. It's ten out of ten, best show of all time. You know, I I uh, it killed me. I had to leave. Just every bone in my body was aching as I was on that plane. But you know got stuff you got to do you got to go and so we got yeah is your eyesight back yet <laughs> my eyesight what do you mean well i mean you had all those flash bulbs going off in your face i swear to god there were kids lined up to take pictures for, with you like one after the other it was it was so cool i thought that you know all those kids it's just a testimonial to social media and and your tiktok following because I mean, it's just so cool and unreal to see how many of those kids, like they've heard you call so much and just lined up there at the booth one after another to get a, get a picture with you. And I thought it was, I thought it was pretty incredible. And of course it, it leads to some sales too, which is great. But, but what's even better is you get to engage with the community and, and just, you know, just let them know who you are and you're, you're such a, you know, easy, uh, down to earth person, you know, it's just really cool. All right. I, you know what the coolest part was is I was and I it's just crazy outcomes full circle I was there 10 years ago the one taking the pictures and learning from everyone but I took everything that I've learned through all these years and I get to teach the kit next generation what essentially that these these what these incredible people that and I attribute a lot of that to NWTF because there's all these incredible callers that have just shaped how my life is and have building calls to running calls to everything. And it just, it's so fresh in my mind. It's so cool to be able to engage with the kids right there, you know, in person and online. So it's really, really just 10 out of 10 for me. Bo, when you, yeah, no joke on the photos. It was more like, um, more like Bo Jackson, uh, people coming up like freaking wanting autographs and such. It's pretty cool when you think about it you put this stuff online and it's, it's a good reminder for all of us, but, but if you have any kind of following online and especially one as big as yours on, on some of those platforms, Bo, people are watching, you know, they're really, it's, it's crazy how many people you're actually touching. They're really like, watching. And that's, that can be really good or that can be 
that can be bad, you know, I mean, depending on what kind of how you're portraying yourself and your brand and whoever you're working with. So it's, that's a good reminder. I mean, I guarantee you that, you know, Joe Schmo, little kid from Alabama that came up and talked to Bo, you know, Bo doesn't know. He doesn't know who that kid was. He doesn't know who that was. When he puts that content out, he doesn't know that kid personally. Now he puts stuff out because he knows it's going to kids like that, but you just affect and touch and reach more people than you ever thought that you would with social media. That's a good and bad thing of it. But Bo, evidently you've done a really good job with it. Well, I, I, I want everything. I want it to be good. Whatever comes out of my social media, I want it to positively impact these kids' lives because I'm telling you, you just you open up your phone anytime, any time of the day, you're going to see terrible stuff on there all day, every day. Maybe uh, if we can support and try and get people to get outside and do something fun, that's not, you know, it's not the, the bad stuff. And I mean, it's just, I've been around, I've been around the industry since I was a little bitty kid and I've seen the great people. And I've seen the not so great people. And I've seen the people that give you the time of day that appreciate you. And then the people that don't, and every single person deserves a time of day. So. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing to remember. I, you, you know, I, I like, I like visiting with people. So I, I always enjoy visiting with people working events but ira you always seem to uh talk with folks too you know you get all sorts of people through those booths you get people that know how to hunt you get people that don't know how to hunt people that are asking advanced questions and people that are asking remedial questions and then there's people that are asking questions about turkey decoys that me and ira couldn't even answer but um <laughs> but you get all different folks and it is you know people remember people remember the folks that that stop and visit with them it, it, it's a big deal yeah well yeah. and i appreciate the people that take the time to come up and, and engage us because we've all been there. I mean, it's kind of intimidating just going up and talking to someone that you don't know, or maybe you've seen, or maybe, oh, yeah. but you know, it, it takes, it, it takes uh, a little bit of self-confidence and desire to want to engage on the other person's side to come up. So I always try to thank people for coming up and, you know, taking the time to talk to me and, and, and tell me a story or whatever, because I do appreciate it. And I know that it's not always easy for them. Well, I mean, I could think to back, think back to the first time you were in our showroom. I worked here. It took me about a half hour, hour to come up and talk to you while you were in here doing your stuff. So, you know, it's it's what, crazy how things come around. Now you're one of my best buddies. That's know? right, buddy. It's, it's, right. it's, it's just crazy. And we're all duck hunters. There's, we're not, I mean, we're not necessarily anything special. We're just all doing it for the same reason. And we appreciate it for the same reason. And we want to hear everybody's stories and we want to answer questions about the products. And we want to talk about, you know, it, I honestly, I even like it when somebody comes up and they're like, man, I, I tried your mouth call and no, I didn't like this on it. And if I hear that one, two, three, four more times, it sticks with me. And I'm like, man, guys, let's, pack, let's pull that back tension a little bit more. You know, let's, let's do something a little bit different maybe, but it's, it's, it's all good. You, you know, so, you bring yeah. up a good, you bring up a good point and, and, uh, you're talking about being friends with Ira and that happened relatively quickly. And, you know, our wives and stuff, I think always get a kick out of it. And people that don't hunt too, like, how do you know that guy you've hunted with him three times? It's like, well, one, you can tell pretty quick for the most part. And two, if it's somebody that you have enough in common with hunting, you probably align and have parallels all over the place. It just, it just is like, I can just look at the person and be like, you know what? Me and him would probably get along. Not that they're a good guy or bad, but they're probably not going to get along with me and vice versa, or they probably will. It, it, and, and it doesn't take very many hunts or times visiting with somebody to figure that out whenever you're 
when you're as dialed into it as what some people are. And so I think it's kind of funny and how quick you can become fast friends with people. And uh, it's that's kind of one of the cool things about a small industry and a small community, which the outdoor industry is, no matter how big you think it is, it is small. You're walking around. Yeah, it's like, not, it's not, it's not big. You're it walking around so seeing small. the same people that you've seen for 10 years, you know, field Hudden will put that thing up. I, I know you saw it cause I think you were in it, but people that he worked with 10, 15, 20 years ago and the people that he was hanging out with at NWTF, it's a lot of the same people. Yeah. It's, and yeah. it, you've been around it for a while, haven't you, Ira? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, one thing that's crazy is we say that it's small. There were probably over 200,000 people that attended that thing, you know, maybe towards 250,000 in three days there. And that's really weird. I mean, you tell I say I was in Nashville this weekend. People say, why were you there? And I'm like, well, I was at the turkey show or I was at the National Wild Turkey Convention. They're like, the what? I'm like, yeah, you know, for Turkey, they're like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. What is there to uh, mean about? Yeah. A turkey? What What do you mean? A butterball or what? Everywhere you, I mean, even at Western Hunt, Western Hunt is a big show. There's a lot of people that didn't even know that there was a turkey show existed. And that's t still kind of within our, you know, within the industry. I mean, that's just a big game versus turkey. Like they had no, a lot of people didn't even know Western Hunt existed. A lot of people didn't. And those are the two, you know, magnums as far as I'm concerned for the two industries. N nothing will, and nothing will humble you. Well, one thing on that, we're, so we're in Nashville. Hillary and I, we're going downtown. And this guy picks us up and we're cutting by the 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 Opry land. And he's like, I can't wait till these turkey people get out of here. He's like, there is a convention. <laughs> he said, there is a convention here about turkeys that is three times the size of any other convention that we've had here this year. He said, it is unfreaking real. I said, you gotta be kidding me. He was like, Nope. I was like, God, I said, isn't that, isn't it crazy what some people will travel for? And, uh, <laughs> you know, then again, he came from Istanbul to be a Lyft driver. So I guess we've all got, we've all got our priorities, but, uh, you know, that was, that was a cool show. Everything was cool. And, and, you say it's a small, I say it's a small industry because the waterfowl industry is small and turkey hunting industry is relatively small. You know, a lot of the players, but you know, in the, in the Midwest and in the South, Bo, I know you're from the Northwest, but in the Midwest and the South, you're really not that far from here in Missouri, the people from Tennessee and Arkansas and everybody knows the places and they know each other. And you know, you're Very seeing people guess. that, that, you know, and, and then you, what'll really humble you though, you sit here regionally and you're like, well, everybody knows. Ira or everybody knows Habitat Flats or everybody knows Grand Pass and you get there and you say some one of those buzzwords that everyone here knows and they're like huh I don't I don't even know what that is you know and it's like yeah. it's like man our, our our field of vision can get pretty small sometimes but um Bo let let's take it back you're talking about you and your dad coming in and uh going to NWTF and I know you guys hunted a lot together and, and share a lot of the same interests, but, but Bo Brooks now, you know, that we're talking with where that we know a little bit about you, but where did the Bo Brooks that we're talking with now, where did you get your start hunting and where are you from? And let's just go back to square one and, and fill folks in that might just know you from your Turkey calling that might not yeah. know the rest of your story. Well, I got a, I got a lot. Um, I got a pretty, pretty cool story. I grew up in a hunting family, my aunt, my mom, my dad, everybody hunted and um as most people would guess they probably think i learned a lot from my dad and honestly i spent most of my time hunting with my mom 
when I go elk hunting and whatnot. And uh, she's super into it. She we could go every single weekend, deer hunting, elk hunting, you know, even turkey hunting. She'd come with me. Um, and it's just it, it it was that's how I grew up. We all before anything. I mean, my daddy told me when I was elk hunting uh, or when I was going, I want to play football. And he's like, don't be a fairy. You can't play football. He said, that's elk season. And so <laughs> I was not allowed to ever play football. I went to one tryout and he's like, he was about to disown me. And so uh, I kind of quit sports. I put all of my time and energy into hunting and calling every time. I would say, and I'm not exaggerating from the time I got off school. So till nine o'clock at night. So about six hours a day, I practiced calling. And so is I knew from the time I was a kid that I wanted to, from about, I'd say nine years old on, I wanted to be the best, best caller that I could possibly be. I wanted to win all of them eventually. And, you know, because that's how I got my start was just, you know, calling and doing contests. And, and that's what my dad and I did together. And, and he would come to a few of them. And as I got older, he didn't, he had big hunts he had to do, <laughs> but then, um, you know, as far as, you know, I was always a duck hunter. I was always a uh, elk hunter with my dad since I was three years old, you know, my mom and dad. And, uh, and when I turned nine, I remember, and this is, it goes back to my turkey hunting stories. Uh, my dad, he's told me, he said, well, you're nine, you shot your first deer, you're ready to go. Let's go turkey hunt. Let's do a turkey hunt together. And so I remember we walked 18 and a half miles uh, that day and a half. That was a weekend. Um, I went through like a box and a half of shells. We messed up everything. I mean, we get a turkey to go, oh, go, 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 and like, he's at probably knowing now he's probably 80 yards. Like we got to get in closer and we're walking and he flew right over the top of me. And now being the duck cutter, I am, I'm like, Oh, just think I could see it. The beard and everything coming over me at 20 yards. I just could have rolled him. You know, those are the memories that stick with you, but we walked and walked and I ended up Right at the end of the hunt, got one goblin, and I, uh, he was at like 60 yards, and we were walking back to the truck. Dad's like, shoot at him, and I shot and, and ended up getting him. That, you know, it's kind of funny how things stick with you, though. That's the way I turkey hunt now today. I walk a lot. I go want to go farther than anyone else. And that's this is on public land, private land. I play the game however I need to play it, but a public, I, I want to go find the bird that's going to play my game. I want to go farther than the other person. And uh, I really want to work harder than anyone else to try and get on the turkeys. Uh, my turkeys, that's what I always call them, or my turkeys. My turkey is the turkey that gobbles at me when I want him to, and when I tell him to, you know what I mean? And so it's uh, it's kind of crazy how that, that all shaped out and how, where I'm at today. And you know, through the years, um, I practiced calling and I was, uh, down in Arizona with Jay Scott. Jay Scott does all the cool hunts. Jay was a huge influence in my life. As far as turkey hunting goes, he always was pushing me to keep calling. And he was so laid up with it. He kind of learned about turkey hunting the same time as us. big elk hunting guide shot 400 inch bulls with lots of clients in Arizona, but he's just an, an incredible person. And he always helped me out. And he's like, Hey, you need to, you need to come with me to Nashville. And so dad and I, we went to Nashville and I thought I was going to call that first year. I thought I was something because he gave me uh, some turkey calls from this guy. And I got to a new level of turkey hunt calling. It was Joe Slayton out of California. It's so when it comes to turkey calls and I know we're getting all over the place here, but adding that read that, go, that has an overhang 
adds rasp. Primo's never had that. And so where I'm from, the only options were a caller, Carlton call, old raspy hand from HS strut or Primo's call. And I had never used a custom style call. And I used this call. I was getting rasp. I was getting things that I never thought were possible. And then I listened to these people back East. I'm like, what is going on? And honestly, our turkeys don't necessarily sound like some of that stuff. You know, the cuts, the our turkeys are flick, 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 flick. And I've heard a few of them do some stuff like that, but nothing that crazy. And we went back to that grand national event. And um, I remember I was walking down the aisle and I know exactly what aisle it was. It's right past Woodhaven. You're going along, go past Mike's archery. And right there, you turn to the right. There's Jimmy Pollard. Jim Pollard had won four grand nationals, one of the most incredible turkey callers on the planet. And I saw him effortless, effortlessly hitting that front end. And I just sat there and I just looked. I know the look because that's how people, I've seen that people give me that look. Now, it's the stuff I've learned. It's that it's the craziest thing you've ever heard your entire life, that front end perfect yelp. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I sat there and I sat there and we got turkey calls from my bottom and bottom. And I sat there. I couldn't make the sound. So I've just, I just decided I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do this. And I practiced for six months after that straight. And I, when I say six months straight, that means daylight till dark. I used to build fence from our, on our ranch or my family's ranch. So that's while I'm out there building fence while I'm out there, bailing hay while I'm out there loading hay while I'm at the house what I'm I had pet turkeys so I was talking back and forth with them learning from them and I'm like I finally one day and I this is the staple for my turkey hunting career everything changed I moved my tongue in such a way where it went and I went and I heard it it was there I didn't hit it for two more weeks that noise and I went and I'm like and I tell everybody, I've learned how to goose call at a pretty high level, a duck calling at a high level. I've learned how to spec call. I've learned how to snow goose call, I've learned how to elk call, everything. The hardest thing I've ever learned how to do was front end yelp on a mouth call. And after I learned and I finally got that front end yelp, everything else came together. All the other sounds, everything was just perfect. Bo, do yeah. you have a call with you right now? I do. Let me see here. Can you, can you do that just so I know exactly what you're talking about? It's the sound you hear that you're like, as a turkey hunter like me, you're like, God, that sounds cool. That's something that you hear. Let me see here. So what, what a lot of turkey hunters do, and you hear it, and I am I did it too. That's what you hear. You move your tongue across that call. That front end, perfect. It's that double noted yelp. And I remember I hit it and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I just, from there, everything for turkey hunting changed for me. I went that season and I took these kids on a youth hunt and it used to, I mean, I would kill maybe one bird a youth hunt. I went for, I went there and we shot four in the first day with all these kids. And it was like the birds that used to take me two hours to even get close and work came in in 10 minutes. You know, and the birds that I was calling out on the private that I never could get across came running right across the fence and just came running right in. So it's, it's, it was like the turkey cheat code. 
You know what I mean? It was like, they're doing things that I've never seen turkeys do before. And I can't say with duck calling that I, I noticed that big a difference as to 10 years ago or 12 or 20 years ago, you know, when I was a kid, my dad duck calling versus my new duck calling now, whatever, being a better duck caller, goose calling. I mean, it could be a good goose caller. Okay. Good turkey calling. It is like the realism with turkeys makes them do things they don't normally do. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Bo, you, I got a couple points to make about what you said, but I'm going to say this before I forget it. But the, the first Mo Marsh photo shoot that you came on that we used to do yep. uh, was at, was it Sumner? And I don't know yep. if you remember that or not, but like I was talking about people it having a curve. It was at Locust Branch. Yes. What is Locust Branch now? Yes. And then south of that on Mason's, I have some footage of you and Ira walking with the Invisalabs and stuff and the dog and the Visamans. Yep. Uh, um, but uh, sunset right through that power line cut. Those are cool video. But anyway, that's been a long time. But Ira was talking about people earlier, like, you know, it's cool to you know, have the courage to come up and talk to somebody. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm long on courage. Uh, I don't give two shits. So I was like, I'm going to ask this dude. You know, we're out there in our waiters taking duck hunting photos. I'm like, I'm going to ask this dude because I can hear him doing this turkey call and stuff. And I mean, I, you know, I, I knew how to turkey call, but not really turkey call. And I remember, Bo, I was trying to get you to teach me to do those, like I call them like water drops, but basically just those, clucks, yeah. those real soft clucks yep. and that that almost sound like there's liquid in your voice. And yep. he, he was trying to teach me how, and I, what, where I was going to say with this is Bo, you know, they say those who can't do teach and blah, blah, blah. Bo can do both. And I remember him teach, fooling with me and fooling with me and fooling with me that day. And I, I would literally do something. I would, I would do it and it would be wrong. And he'd be like, oh, nope. Nope, you got to do this. And he would tell me. And for at least 36 or 37 times, I would do it wrong. And with the same enthusiasm, he'd be like, no, no, you're close. You're close. So on the way home, I remember on the way home, I learned how to do it. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Then I learned how to put some inflection in my yelps, like what you're talking about. Yep. And I'm not kidding, man. Like, you know, I, I don't know what level of turkey caller I, I am now. I, I don't have any idea. But, but I'm 10 levels more than I was. And I kill a lot more turkeys right off the jump like i kill a lot more turkeys like when i get in you know used to be i would kill them late morning kill them midday and i would always really usually i would always get them but it was like a, i killed them when they were lonely you know now yeah i kill birds that are with hens you know yeah. I, and, and I'll, I'll get in a spot and slip into a spot and do some of the calling that i've learned from you and it's like all of a sudden i'm like i hear something drumming at like 30 yards, you know, that kind of the finesse and the calling and the, the people are like, Oh, it don't matter. You know, just, it, it doesn't matter to every Turkey. That's for sure. But yeah. there are turkeys that it makes a huge difference on. And I can only say that because I didn't know what I was doing. And when I learned it has exponentially increased my success and my effectiveness in the woods. So thank you for that. And it's very true. And, and uh, he's a great caller and a great teacher. But one thing I want to say, Bo is, uh, and everybody listening, if you're watching Bo on TikTok or wherever you guys are seeing his content, you know, you hear this from professional athletes or or piano players or doctors or whoever. The amount of time that people are putting in to get this good at something, you can't make that up. Obviously, there's talent, but, you know, we've got social media and we've got smartphones and we've got um you know, food delivery services, we've got everything and we get it as quick as we wanted. If we got the money, we can do it. But one thing money and, and convenience and technology can't buy is 
perfecting a craft like that. And it's cool that there's still stuff like that, but Bo, that that's a lot of time spent getting that right. And that's a lot of effort and a lot of hours and a lot of dedication to, to figuring something out. That's not common. Well, there's way too much time behind a call. I can tell you that. It, and you met me at the very tail end of my real practicing days, right? A mouth call in my mouth every second of every day and calling whatever practicing and whatnot. And, you know, I forget, I honestly forget about that too. And luckily it's fresher than, you know, than if it was 20 years ago, but you know, it's, that's what helps me teach people is the fact that it's just right there. The stuff that I just learned is right there. And I can remember how to t explain that, how, you know, say Billy Yargis, grand national champion sat down with me one day. He's like, you need to change your Yelp a little bit and then the cadence of it or drop your job that make that. And so every little thing like that, you got to learn from every person you hunt with and everything you do just like a sponge and put that time in behind it because not one thing with calling have I ever been able to do the first time I heard it. You know what I mean? It's, I, I don't think that there's ever been something that I, you know, you hand me a, hand me something I've never done before or something that I've like, a, I hear something on a, on a call, like a coyote howl is a great example. I heard those guys do it at that point in time. I was very proficient on it, but it took me a week of practicing and that goes behind to another, you know, way too much time behind a mouth call. You know what I mean? But, but when you say a week and another thing, a lot of us need to remember, we talked about this with Keith Allen. A lot of people just don't practice. They don't practice yeah. something and then they're surprised that they're not good at it or they, they don't see the same results as someone else. A lot of folks in hunting don't realize because it's not their job. It's something they do for fun. You know, it's yeah. just like basketball. I probably don't realize how bad I am at that. I do realize, but I don't realize when I go out and shoot baskets three times a, a year, I'm like, all right, yeah, I still got it. I, yeah, I can make a layup. I can do this <laughs> and that. But when I go and play against somebody who plays every day, it you realize how in, inefficient you are, just like calling. But, you know, Bo, your, your two weeks that you practice is probably – two decades worth of practice that somebody else puts in on calling. Well, that's just the back. That's what I was saying. Like the, back, the amount of other hours that's been put in with the mouth call in general and just manipulating sound that you get once everything starts to fold over, start to like fold over. So like the, the gobble I do on a, on a mouth call, it's so much deeper. And it, all of a sudden it just started taking hold and people hearing it. What well, came from learning how to duck call cut on a duck call, not, you know how Kelly Powers, I know Ira really likes that when he goes, cuck, 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 cuck. he uses this part of his tongue. And, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of people like that feed that he does. And I heard it and I'm like, okay, how are you doing that? And then one day I was gobbling with a mouth call and I'm like, well, why am I not using the middle of my tongue? Like it'll make it substantially deeper. And that just changed it for me and how it sounds. And so it's just constant playing, constant moving around, constant. And I'll tell you one thing. The one thing that I learned is I absolutely was doing it wrong before. You know what I mean? There's like, okay, let's, if you want to really be good at something, let's start, let's try and start from square one, try and get rid of your bad habits. It's really hard to kick them. If you have like, yeah. right, the way I was turkey calling, I am totally different than I was before. Well, you told me, Bo, you're like, you're, you're, you're pushing the air across it in a, in a way, you know, I was, I was not doing, I, in my mind, that's just how you turkey call. Cause no one ever told me any different, but 
you were telling me about air presentation and and where the air is coming from and the different parts of your tongue and teeth and but i was like my god i feel like i just went through an anatomy lesson but it's that attention to detail ira that's kind of you know that's kind of like what some folks might say about you though with hunting like uh uh whether that's property uh management or 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 proper property ideas rather or um or design on um on blinds and things like you know, I've seen you do something similar, be like, well, this just isn't going to work or that's not going to work or we got to do this different or we got to do that different. And sometimes it's, you know, I'm sitting there like, man, I did probably doesn't make that big of a difference. And, but sometimes the difference on a little difference over, over decades and decades is exponential. When you look at the results, even if they're small, they add up over time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, turkey hunt with Bo a whole lot but i have turkey hunted with him a bit and for as good of a caller as he is um he's equally or maybe even better with the way that he utilizes it in the field so i mean i consider myself to be a pretty decent turkey caller not not any contest caller for goodness sakes but i mean i know what kind of works for me and gets him fired up and so you know, I'd, I'd do my deal and a bird might gobble or it might not, but Bo, he, he can strike that inner nerve with them and get engaged. And then, like, let's say you're 65 out of 100 is the color. Okay, you might get a gobble. and may just be a shot gobble. And then they may not answer you again, even though you're trying to up the ante. Well, at some point, let's say that the the, the – eight birds out of 20 that wouldn't do it for Ira. They just kind of shut back down or got tired of hearing you. Well, Bo would probably get five or six out of that eight to where they just finally said, okay, forget, I got to go see what's going on here. And not just, not just on the calling side, but on the woodsmanship side with, uh, you know, getting close to birds and getting in there, getting in their zone to where they want to engage and then running back away from them and getting them to come to me and Casey who are both, older and fatter and don't really want to go up another hill he'd just he'd be like i'll get over there and get him fired up and he'd run right up in there and get them all fired up and then he'd run back to us and here they'd come following him so you know it's way beyond just the calling side i mean bo's a he's a he's very good and effective at, at killing turkeys and getting them engaged and it's just it was really cool hunting with them out there and we turkey, had a blast turkey hunting you know, archery deer hunting might, might be, but as far as hunting that you can do with somebody like that, you can really participate with a, with a hunting buddy with, in my opinion, there's nowhere real quick that you can tell, like, there's no quicker way to tell whether somebody knows what the hell they're doing. Like you can go duck hunting and you can, you can be like, well, this so-and-so doesn't necessarily, I don't really know that they are what I thought they were, but they got, must have a badass spot or they got a lot of decoys or they know when to call or, you know, turkey hunting, you're kind of on an island like either you know what the hell you're doing or you don't and it doesn't take long to figure that out i mean you go out with somebody after 10 minutes of hunting you're like all right this dude's a clown or this guy ain't too bad or this guy really knows what he's doing and um you always strive to be the last guy but uh but it's it's painfully i'm sure you guys both know it's painfully evident when someone hasn't a clue in the world when it comes to turkey hunting i love that i love i love that sometimes because i like like ira and i we get we jive good when you get somebody that's really good, but you don't jive good, that can also be a, that can also be a tough, a tough, you know, then you start second guessing yourself, you know, that's just, that's a tough deal. It It is. And if you, 
but the good thing about Ira is he's hunted with people for long enough and, and he's been a, he's taken clients for long enough. This is a good lesson for people too. And it's one that I try to learn too, uh, and try to teach my, you know, remember Bo, you're, you're the same way. Like you, Bo, you come hunting at Locust Grove. Obviously Ira is going to ask your input, but at the end of the day, what Ira's, how it's got, how he's got it set up or how he wants to set up is going to be how it's done. And then you make the best of it and try to hunt within what he's got set up. Uh, and usually that's really a good idea. You know, it's, but like the thing I like about Turkey hunting with Ira, although he's got his opinion, he'll definitely let you know, but like at my places where, where I hunt, I hunt them a certain way. And I want to, I, 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 when I call mid morning, I approach the farm the same way I go, I go around it clockwise or counterclockwise, depending. I call it the same spots. I do what I want to do. Ira has killed a lot more turkeys than I have, but he, he does it the way that I want to do it. And then he knows where to be set up. He knows when to shoot. Like we had a farm, we had a hunt the last time that he killed a bird with me, we were going around and, and I, I always call it the different spots. And so we had, we had set up and done a, a call sequence at, at a spot that I thought we would probably get something. We didn't call some Jake's in. We rounded the corner and got to this cedar tree. I'm like, I'm gonna call here. And we hadn't gone very far, but that's just how I do. Anyways, I call. Bam, two of them gobble right there. You know, I didn't have to tell him nothing. Immediately, he gets down, gets ready, gets his gun up, face mask on, gun pointed right to where the turkey gobble went. I'm scratching around the leaves, make like two clucks. Here comes the bird. Bang. I couldn't even see the turkey. Ira's got it killed. Like, it's nice hunting with someone that knows what's going on that's cool with whatever program, you know, you're going to be on. That's just a breath of fresh air, and we all kind of got to remember, no matter how much we hunt, if we can get on with the program with somebody else that knows what's going on, if it's their place or whatever, it's just really a joy to hunt with people like that. The three yeah, of us have sure. a similar style. Bo's a little, you know, he's a little more aggressive as he should be on the calling side, but like Joe, when we go together, I mean, we're doing the same thing. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're doing the same things. What I, it's when someone says, Hey, you want to go turkey on tomorrow? You're like, mm, okay. And you show up and they're like, okay, uh, here, help me pack all this shit out here. And we got a blind and two chairs and some decoys. And I'm like, uh, man, I I just had a phone call. My wife's pregnant and we're getting ready to have a baby. I gotta get out of here. Yes, I I get it. I I've told I told one of my buddies man, one time, and this is not a knock on decoys. I don't give a shit. And and in certain places they work and and in certain places a very good decoy pays dividends and fields and different things, but we can't went with a buddy of mine. Billups, Eric Billups, I maybe have talked about him on here, but we've done a lot of hunting together and we got out of the truck one day and he had more avian X bags draped over his shoulders. I didn't know what was going on. This is when they kind of first came out. I'm like, what is going on? I said, bud, we're hunting with more turkey decoys than I hunt goose decoys. I was like, this is, this is crazy. But, um, but it's cool how it all works. Speaking of decoys that the Higdon decoys that we saw this week, um, they looked incredible at Nashville. Bo, do you have any input on the on the turkey decoys, or what are your thoughts on those? Because they look kick ass. Oh, on the oh, those new flex decoys. Oh well, them and then just the regular like the stuff. I don't oh. know what was going on. There was stuff moving. There was stuff pecking at the ground. Uh, Man, I I've got a love hate relationship with decoys. Um, I've killed a lot of turkeys over decoys. My dad only bow hunts, so if I'm hunting with my dad, we're hunting over decoys. You know what I mean? And. Yep. I have killed a lot of turkeys without decoys. I've killed a lot of turkeys just leaving the decoys where they are and slipping. I mean, if I, if, if I, you know, it's really a personal preference. My favorite scenario is when I get up to a spot and I got birds gobbling over the hill, I get stabbed as fast as I can and they come over the top at 50 yards and they see the decoy come running in and I shoot them. 
You know what I mean? Like, I like it when they see it from a long ways away. And obviously I film. And so I'm filming for the show. I'm filming for content a lot. But my favorite, my favorite scenario truly is grab my gun and grab my belt and go or or grab my vest or not even, I honestly before you know Sika or any of these other people did anything, I had a box call holder on my side, I had a mouth call, and I shot turkeys. That's all I used yeah. to kill turkeys with. And that and that's what it, you know, and that's you know the decoys. I love seeing a turkey come over the top like this. So, and they actually do it and they beat the crap out of them. You know, like I do like that. I like seeing turkeys get pissed off. I'm not necessarily, a, I, we aren't going to say the F word here, but I'm not a huge fan of it. We've done, you know, I've done it. I love you. I like having one sometimes to use it to get across. Like if it's a wide open spot, it's kind of a cheat code, you know, using it to my advantage as a tool. Um, but man, it's so it's such a touchy subject nowadays. You know, Alabama just went to no decoys for the first ten days of the season, and it's just it's just wild. You know, the other side of it is too. I mean, yes, it works, but there, Ira, you could you can attest to it. It doesn't work sometimes. You know, there's oh yeah, you. Uh, I remember Featherplex days. I I had more turkeys that I would have killed without a decoy run off because that thing spun around on the stake or looked yeah. like a half used condom out there. And, you know, just, uh, yeah, I would have been, and I think there's some of them that if you show them where they are, they're like, Oh, well, she'll come over here. I'm in, I'm in the best spot right here. So I, I do stay. not like using a hen decoy. I mean, right. uh, to, no, I hate it. I hate using a hen decoy. I could not tell you how many turkeys I've set a hen decoy up and they stop it. 40 to 60 yards because I, I don't necessarily like shooting them farther than 20 and they sit there and strut back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So they go around behind me or they go, they're trying to get her to do something. That redhead, man. I mean, if I'm going to put decoys out, I'm going to put a Tom with it. I'm going to put a Jake with it because I want them when they see that thing to be pissed off. You know, you know that's man. interesting because you hear a lot of guys, Bo, that are like, that are like, you know, it's like the, it's like the guys that, well, I don't use decoys or I hate decoys, but I use decoys. You know, I hate, I hate decoys, but, but I will put one lone hen out. You know, the way that I look at it, it's like, I have always hated decoys. And, and ever since I was a kid, because my dad, he always used a hen decoy. And that's not because, um, that's not because he thought it worked better. It's because one, there wasn't near as many male decoys, and two, the hen, the hen uh, feather flex bullshit was the only thing that was under twenty bucks. And I love my dad, but he is, you know, he's tighter than bark on whatever tree you're leaned up against. And so uh, we used some piece of shit, and and uh, he had the little seamstress or lady in town, whatever it was, uh, sew it up whenever it would tear. And you know, I mean, it was like, come on, bud. But, yeah. but we had so many birds that would, if they could see the decoy, would hang up. Yeah, you know, just over and over again. It was like beating even even seven or eight year old me. I know he got annoyed with me, like he probably still does. But I'm like, Dad, what what in the world? Well, I'm like, screw it, I'm done using a decoy. You know, you'd get you you'd sit down, you wouldn't be able to get the hen put out. You'd be like, oh, we couldn't get the decoy out. Well, here comes the turkey right to the call, and it's like, okay, it didn't take me very many of those to be like, I'm good, I'm 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 yep. good, I'm getting better at calling, but. But you hear so many guys say, well, I only use, uh, I don't use all this other bullshit. I just use a, a single hand. Well, it kind of makes sense what you're saying. And I guess it depends on the turkey population. But so if you're going to use a decoy and you're filming, 
Yeah. And this, I, I'm not, I'm not anti decoy. I just don't use them personally. But if you're going to set yeah, up, and I, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm I, obviously, I am, I'm the, I'm pro decoy. I mean, if anyone wants to ask me, I'm like, if you want to use a dang decoy, use it. I love, and I just, I design these with the, with Higdon. I think they're great. But man, if I'm going to use a decoy, somebody just wants something quick and easy to pack. You know, there's a few different tiers. If you're a public land, Georgia, Tennessee, mountain turkey hunter, and you're in early season, man, I, there's a, there is a time and place for just a hen decoy. You know, like our flex decoy. The reason I want that, I remember, I remember this clear as day in Georgia. I was down there the first time I ever hunted down there in the public. I've never been in wide open woods like that. And it's probably like that at Locust Grove, Ira, when it's early and you guys had a flood. And there's not, there isn't a Looks leaf like, on anything. Yeah, at my house, I see the three hundred yards through the through the woods. Well, that's exactly it. You're going through there. I don't care what camouflage you're wearing. You know, there's there will be some that give it up, but those birds have been hunted for a week. You know, after opening week, and there's twenty five guys parking at this. I get out there and I was calling at him. I was doing the old oh my my double call special where I go pop, 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 and the iris heard it where I call on my box call yelp on my mouth call make it sound like a party and all of a sudden cow. okay and I hear cow. okay and all of a sudden I see him running dead sprint I'm like okay well he's dead <laughs> and, and he gets to 60 yards and just goes over and I had that happen a pile of times through that weekend is it's so wide open. You're sitting against a tree. They're looking for a person. You know what I mean? Uh, they're, they're, yeah. He, here at my house, you have to find a blowdown and get behind the tree. You cannot sit on the front side of a tree here. That's, that's, that's exa exactly what I'm talking about. And that's what that's what I would built that flex turkey decoy. If you could get something off to the side, it's, if, if you want to just get something to get their eyes off of you in those open woods, then you might have a chance. Because, I mean – if you're out in the open woods too, I mean, that's where, I, if I'm on public land or even on anywhere that's orderly wide open like that, I am not, I have no problem shooting them a little bit farther, that 40 yards. If he can just come like this and he gets to the decoy and he's not quite sure, but at least he's looking at that and he comes around me, I'll shoot him, you know? And so it's, if there's a time and place for everything, what I have been doing is I have one of those open woods, I have been carrying a strutter and a hen and that's deadly. You know, you get on the top of that hill in this wide open woods like that, and he sees it, and it's the right bird. He'll come in, and they'll beat the crap out of it. And it could be one or two birds, especially early. And so. I thought those flex courses look cool at the show. I mean, it's nice that they fold up, don't take up any room, and, you know, you don't have to have them in a bag to get them around. Well, it's, it's for the turkey hunter that doesn't want to run decoys, which is a big thing nowadays. And, and I mean, that's for me, it's a big thing. Like, when I'm – if I, especially Georgia, I just always go back to that. I'm walking 10, 12 miles a day, riding bikes, uh, you know, just up and down and it's steep stuff. I don't want to carry a bag full of decoys the whole day, you know, maybe the first hunt in the morning, but then after that I'm running a gun and, and I want something I can get as set up as fast as possible because there's a dang good chance if he's goblin, he can see me already. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, hey, hey, real quick, before we change uh away from this I, I just want to go back for a second and you skipped through some stuff that i think is incredible about your childhood um 
your dad is such a cool guy and kind of, you know, very different and very accomplished. Could you just for a second tell us a little bit about Casey? And then I want to make sure that you tell the story. You know, you touched on the football thing, but you left out the deal where you were in band or playing whatever it was. And oh, yeah. he, he, it's like you, you what? Like years later, like what? Well, I never yeah. knew such a thing. Oh my gosh. So that, dad uh, dad was an incredible dad and he, he was such a crack up because he he is a very accomplished bow hunter he shot, shot the north america 29 which is every species of um animal in north america with one with a hoyt bow that's his bit that's his claim to fame but he's also shot 83 bull elk with a bow I believe it's nine over 400 um holds multiple records just an absolute animal of a hunter and so obviously trying to get out of that shadow was something it was kind of hard <laughs> growing up, but, uh, you know, he was a crack up in my childhood because there's, you see, a lot of times he was on hunts and I was, I remember, I remember we were, I, I, I was sitting there and we were, I was having a drink at the house. Dad doesn't drink, but he's sitting there and, and he looks over and I, I was talking about, me and being, you know, music, musically inclined, I think that's probably part of why, you know, I was, I'm a good caller. I'm like, dad, you know, I think it's because, you know, I played the trumpet. And he said, what, what are you talking about? Well, I said, when I played the trumpet, I was in band. And he's like, no, you weren't. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I was. I was for three years. <laughs> like, what, what the heck are you, what are you talking about? So we walked over and opened up three years worth of pictures of me sitting there playing the band. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you knew Casey too, it'd be even funnier because he's like, what in the, what are you talking about? And uh, I was like, well, and that's kind of our thing now. And he's, he'll be like, yeah, and you used to play the trumpet. I'm like, yeah, well, I did, dad. So was, thanks for noticing dad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he, okay. On your dad on, on to that point. So like guys that don't know about elk hunting and I'm the president of that club, but that's some crazy shit. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. What he's yeah, killed. A lot of, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of elk hunting. I mean, so Bo, your dad, other than hunting his ass off, uh, you guys have a, a pretty good sized. I mean, you guys have a nice ranch as well. And and uh, where are you originally from? Um, I was born in Portland, Oregon. I moved to La Center, Washington. So I live right on that Columbia River corridor. So the Oregon, I'm a few minutes from Oregon into Washington, um, Western Washington. So, you know, um, grew up on the rainy side of the state. And so did he. He grew up, uh, he grew up in the kind of the ghetto of Portland, downtown Portland. My grandfather was a school teacher and he was always a hunter, but he used to teach uh, hunter's ed in school in Portland, downtown Portland. And uh, yeah, man, we, we were, we're Pacific Northwesterners through and through. Do you guys on your ranch, do you guys have livestock too, Bo? Yeah, we run some cows. My mom's a team roper. So we run at uh, our ranch, um, a ranch up in central Washington. We run some cows, but we do a lot more. We're, we're, uh, we're doing a lot more wheat and, um, orchard grass and that type of stuff. Um, at our house, we do a lot of native grass hay, you know, it's a uh, 180 acres right there of native grass hay. And then up in Golden Hill is 
in central Washington is about 3,000 acres of wheat and whatnot. And so you guys sell yeah, hay. So, yeah. Sell hay. That's, that's sort of, that's what we did growing up and yeah, run it. We usually get a, we didn't irrigate any of it. So we usually get about two cuttings. And so up in Goldendale, you know, we, when we did the orchard grass, we had pivots and whatnot. That's a lot so, of hay. It's a lot of hay. Yeah, Old Casey, he's a trip, man. Is he, 10 out of 10. Does he still hunt much? Um, does he still turkey hunt much? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he kills like 25 tons a year with his bow. Some freaking animal, man. Yeah, what? yeah. Just he, he, just start him. When will his turkey season start? Uh, I don't know this year. He's got a lot of stuff he's doing this year. So this year might be a light year for him. But uh, normally we start in South Florida. I'll meet him down there and we'll hunt. And we've kind of got a bunch of acreage lined up and I hunt the public too. And pretty cool. But uh, this, you know, it gets kind of expensive to hunt down there, man. That's a, it's an expensive turkey, even at the rate that we're paying for them. It's a lot cheaper than most because it's our buddy down there. It's still, man, you go down there and you're hunting by feeders. You see, you can hunt for 100 yards from a feeder. So those, I, I am not a fan of hunting turkeys that are slaves to their stomachs. So Texas, you know, there, and um, even if they're going to like a feed, a feed lot or whatnot, they, the only thing they care about most of the time is going to food. You know, they're on that schedule. And so kind of just got to get in their way. And I'm just not a big fan of that. How many turkeys will you shoot a year, Bo? That just depends on the year. Um, an average in a watch about 50 a year die. And then I, I don't know how many I shoot, you know, from 10 to 20 or so. Yeah, something just more, than most on the people, year. more than most people have taken in their life. Um, yeah, we, we have, we have a good, I mean, but thing is, is I'm, I'm filming a lot. So I'm the one filming. If I was just hunting, I think I'd be a little bit more like my dad, a little more selfish on the shoot turkeys, but I'm, I'm a, I like calling a lot, man. I don't necessarily care if it, who kills them. I really, really like watching my wife shoot them. I like, uh, but I taking Ira and taking just honestly, when I get into a good area and like I go home to Oregon, I take anyone that's got a tag and I just start raking them too. Cause I have been spent my whole life learning that area. And I just love going back there and, and putting the, the hurting on them. So, so Bo, give us, okay. So we, obviously you, you grow up Pacific Northwest, you hunt everything you can, you play, you play the trumpet, you don't play football. And you call your yep. ass off. So you're, you're to this point. Now, all three of us have worked with this company and, and still do in some capacity. And they're great guys. And how did you end up at Higdon? NWTF. Seven, eight years ago. Eight years ago, I called the Grand Nationals and I got fourth. Walking around with my, uh, my trophy. Um, well, I say that. The day before, a got friend of mine said, you need to go check out Kelly Powers Goose Calls. I go over there and I said, uh, hey, I want to try one of those goose calls. And I, uh, I'm at, you know, that's what I originally got into was uh, Canada Goose Contest Calling. That was my thing in the beginning. And so um, grabbed that thing, ripped on it. And they were like, hey, if you like this call, uh, take it. Brooke gave it to me. And he said, if you don't like it, bring it back. I said, okay. Well, I said, I'll take it. And I took it. And then I did really well at Grand National. So Kyle reached out to me and so did Brooke. And they were like, hey, you know, um, 
we're talking about doing some sort of turkey thing. Let's let's keep in touch. So then I sent them to turkey calls. They have no idea what turkey calls. They have, they don't turkey hunt. So I sent them turkey calls. They had no idea. They're like, oh, well. And let's uh, at the time I had a my old company Brooks Custom Calls. I started when I was eighteen, and I was selling out calls and turkey calls. So like, hey, you know, let's bring you in, man. Let's bring you in and see what you see if you want to be a part of this whole thing. So they brought me in. And I started started. I built some turkey calls for Kelly and I met, met Kelly at the Oregon Waterfowl Festival. And um, they're like, do you want to move here? I'm like, no, uh, not really. <laughs> I like, I like killing stuff too much. And uh, at the time they, they, we worked out a good deal where I was able to still guide and I was still able to work and still able to hunt and work there for seven, eight months out of the year, sometimes six, you know, um, and still do my thing. But that I remember the summer they asked me to really come work there. They I was out there building fences, hot. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, <laughs> this is this is trash, man. <laughs> and so uh, I was. I'm like, let's let's do it. And you know, through that, you know, didn't I never had any plan of doing the HOTV thing. I never had any plan of doing any of the waterfowl stuff. I love doing waterfowl. I love I love duck hunting. I mean, I was. Gosh, you know, I worked all year just so I could duck hunt all winter. It was more of a passion at that point in time than turkey hunting was for me. I loved turkey hunt, but I didn't get to do it as much. You know, I was very much a waterfowl hunter. And, uh, man, I, um, they started getting me involved with all this other stuff. And I remember uh, what got the, now what I do at Higdon, you know, is my, I, I'm a photographer, videographer, you know, I do digital marketing and all these different things. Remember we had this new Turkey decoy coming out and nobody was willing to travel with me to go get the stuff. They're like, Oh, we're going to get it here in Kentucky. Well, we, the last three years I've been trying to get content in Kentucky. I went out, I bought a camera, learned how to use it, shot all the box art images and everything for the whole year, shot all the content for it. Then got an internship at the EMP side and bus was downhill from there. So, so, you really got into it and, and got through it. And it's cool how, how you started out and then have become really a staple and a key member of a company. And and that's what, man, that's what everybody's story is different, but that's what people don't understand. It's like, how can I, how can I get involved in the outdoor industry? Well, one, be really, really freaking good at whatever it is that you're doing. And I'm not talking, Hey, sponsor my hunting, my hunting group. We killed seven snow geese on a pond sh jump shoot. It's no, I'm talking like, get like, amazing at something whether that's videography photography duck calling goose calling turkey make yourself calling. an asset yeah make yourself an asset we've talked about that make your have have a lot of value and so and don't about be, you, don't, don't be afraid about, to sweep the floors because i i mean i was making for the first three years i worked there i was making 12 dollars and 50 cents an hour and not getting paid on weekends when i went to shows so well, the thing about you Bo, <laughs> you know what i mean not, you're not scared to you're not scared to do that kind of stuff and and now your calling got you in the door, but the guy that you are and the value that you bring to Higdon is what's worked you up. I mean, that's easy to see from the outside looking in. So guys, that that's the kind of thing that it takes to be able to, Oh, how does Bo get to travel around and do this and that? Well, here's how. And so that's cool. And, and, and so from Higdon, obviously things are rocking and rolling there. Higdon power calls, you're making calls. Take us into ribbon. What, what is that? Well, ribbon ribbon is, my Brooks custom calls 2.0, what I've always wanted to do. I put there if it's a elk call brand and it's everything that I've learned the last 
10 years in the call industry is into one thing. I, I, uh, it's it, essentially, I'm going to, I mean, it's an alcohol brand, but I'm, what it really is, is man, it's what I've always wanted to do. I had Phelps, which is a very big alcohol company with me to right now. I had Rocky Mountain. I've had do like all these different game call companies try and hire me before Higdon. And I told every one of them, no, is I had no intent and I always wanted to do my own thing. Kelly, Brooke, they assured me that the turkey call thing would be my own thing. And then when I, I work my way up now, they're like, hey, let's do this out call brand. Let's do it right. And so what we did is we launched Riven. And Riven is with Jeff and Vertical. It's it's um, part of our, our, you know, family here at Higdon. We wanted to do something different. And I would not be involved with starting an elk call brand unless I did something different. And we did that with that cambium bugle tube, that, that wooden bugle tube we did. We talked, I built an aluminum bugle tube before aluminum bugle tubes came out. I built them. We tried doing them out of other materials and um, I've never been happy with plastic. And Jeff, one day he lost his bugle tube and Jeff is an incredible guy, a partner in this whole thing. And Jeff's like, he took some Aspen bark and turned it into a bugle tube and bugled through it. And he said, it sounded amazing. I'm like, man, I've always wanted to do something like that. I just don't have any idea how. So Jeff's buddy's a woodworker, gets on a on a lathe, builds me one, uh, the specs that I want. I ran it for a season. At first, I'm like, I don't know, man. And then I went out hunting with it. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. The next year, I'm at Worlds. They build another one, but this is out of zebra wood. This is the exact specs that I wanted. The first one was very crude, broke apart and whatnot. I'm in my hotel room. He hands it to me and I bugle on it. It is the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I feel like I'm 30% better just bugling through that tube than what I sounded like before. You know what I mean? And I, it's like picking up a guitar after just playing the, like a, a trashy old ukulele. You know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> it's, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to go out there and kick their ass tomorrow. <laughs> I went up there. And won every round by six, by six to one with the judges that year. And it just, and I've been right on that, right on that, losing by half a point every year. And is it all from the bugle tube? I don't think so. I think that, you know, that the bugle tube added so much more realism, but it's a confidence and everything. I'm like, I have never sounded this good in my life. And so after this is four years, I'm trying to figure out how to manufacture this thing. We finally figured it out and we're talking. I'm like, if we're going to launch this thing, let's launch it at Worlds this year. It's my second time, World Championships, the second time. So I'm like, okay, we're going to launch it at Worlds. We went in there. I'm so I'm pretty freaking nervous. I'm like, we show up all rivened out. Here's our production bugle tube. I'm ready to rock and roll. The tubes aren't even here yet. And they're going to be here in a few weeks or whatever. And I, I'm like, we're launching the brand. I built, you know, 700 calls to give away, I'm ready to rock and roll. And we, uh, I went up there and won it and proceeded to do my social media thing. And we just freaking blew it up. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So, that's badass, man. You know, that's the best kind of business built out of a passion for something. And, and all the time you're learning how to call and do all this shit, Bo, you know, 
obviously you had Brooks Customs calls, but you couldn't have ever known when you're putting in those hours fixing fence and building fence and doing all that shit that it would all come to fruition in this way with you being on a no. show and building calls and designing decoys. And man, it's that's that's badass, man. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I I cannot in a million years if I wish I could just talk to my you know, you wish you could talk to yourself when you're 15 years old and you're in school and you're doing all this stuff or 16 years old and you're like, no, this is everything we've ever wanted a million and, and things that you'd never thought would ever happen. You know, we made it. We're there. This is, and you guess what? I'm, I've got way bigger stars in my eyes than I did then. That's, you know the, what I that's mean? the coolest thing. It's like, you, you, if you'd have told Bo at 15 that by 85, you're going to accomplish all this stuff, you'd have been, you'd have been, you'd have made that deal and a handshake deal and a, sign a contract in a heartbeat. Truth is you did all that by the time you were 21. So now it's like, all right, now let's onward and upward, you know? Yes. It's, it's pretty wild how all this happened, but so that's just a perfect example how passion bleeds through and yeah. all this stuff. It's, you, yeah. if you have a passion and don't and believe in it so hard and I, I don't know, we talked about this a lot if you believe that passion there's no way it's gonna fail <laughs> and you yeah, don't I mean, have it's, to it's necessarily go ahead well i was just gonna say this and ira you can touch on it you don't necessarily have to know what direction that passion is gonna take you it's not that you're leading your passion you're following it and and then I'm look what it does. following it yeah i mean it's a combination of passion and vision and hard work and energy and implementation. And then all of a sudden things change Whoa. and opportunities come up and, and you get there. So yeah, I, we're getting close to the end here, but Bo, I want to do this. I got, I've got four questions I want to ask you. And this okay. is a short answer, like one word, one sentence. And then, and then I got a thing that I just thought up while Bo was talking that, to ask Ira too, but um, all right. So, I want, these are some quick hitters, Bo. Here we go. Question one, do you use slate or friction calls? Every day. Favorite state to turkey hunt or favorite region of the U.S. to turkey hunt? Georgia or the Pacific Northwest. God, I wish we could elaborate on these for two hours each. Favorite place to duck hunt? Uh, Pacific Northwest, for sure. The biggest mistake you see turkey hunters and callers make? Um, that's two part two part answer. It's either when he quits gobbling, they stand up too soon. And he's right there, so that's it. Your thirty minute rule. If you think you need to stand up, give it thirty minutes. Or if you're out west turkey hunting and you think that those that yeah, you think because he's gobbling, he's going to come walking in. You stop calling for an hour. You're not going to kill that turkey if he ain't gobbling. You ain't killing him most of the time. There you go. And I just thought of this while Bo was talking uh, a minute ago, and this is a new segment I'm starting up. I just, I'm announcing it here. I uh, hope you're cool with it, but I think we should do this on every podcast. Uh, and it's called, this is a grind. Don't stop this little segment to end it out. It's going to be grinds my gears. What pisses you off or grinds your gears or gets under your skin about what we're talking about. So we're going to go Turkey hunting. What grinds my gears and I'll start. And if this, if this grinds your gears, well then sorry about you, but what grinds my gears with turkey hunting is pop-up blinds. I don't like them. I don't like seeing them. Nothing pisses me off more than when I drive by a field and look out, and it looks like, you know, somebody got a camping set for their birthday out there in the field. I don't like it. Um, I don't think it teaches. I, You know, I understand they're good for kids, but but I'll, I'll say that if you really want to burn the fire in a kid, 
yeah, take them out to pop up blind, do whatever you want. But you take your kid to the woods and teach them some woodsmanship and teach them what to look for and what not to look for and how to do it. Um, that's how I hope to do it with my boys. So what grinds my gears for turkey hunting is pop up blind. Ira, what about you? Oh man, what grinds my gears when I'm hunting a place like here around the house that doesn't, well, most of Missouri that doesn't have many turkeys and I hear one gobble and I, I try to never do this, but we all have it happen. And I waste an opportunity because I thought that turkey was further than he was and I run over him and then I just want to choke yeah. myself. Yeah. You want to jump off the top of the cliff. All right, Bo, what yes. grinds your gears? Um, I guys, my gears 100% when I pull up to a pull up to a gate and it's 3 a.m. and I've been there since 3 a.m. and I get two other rigs that pull up behind me and they tell me where I'm going hunting. <laughs> I don't blame you there. I don't blame yeah, you there. That's rough. That's frustrating. Yeah, it happens. It, I'll tell you from Washington State, which you wouldn't think have much pressure, but it does from Washington State to southern florida to georgia anywhere in the country it happens in every single place no matter what it's it's a hunter's etiquette if i see somebody at a gate unless i know it's a six mile long gate which is possible in washington they can have it i'll go find them somewhere else understand and there's a lot to be you remember when we'd go to kansas and we'd have four guys and four trucks and We'd go park three trucks in places where we weren't hunting, and we'd drop everybody off in other spots. Yes, I do. Son of I a gun. Son of a gun. <laughs> Sometimes you have to. I Another thing that grinds my gears when there's a turkey goblin on my neighbor's property, that can grind my gears a little bit too. But I, You know what's funny is I, I don't necessarily deal with that too often. I either kill that turkey or I'm gone. I do, well, not, deal with, well, I do both, not deal with that. Some of us have 40 acres instead of 4,000, so – you poor people probably. Well, I know that's what I, I'm not allowed to hunt turkeys on my property. None of them. So why I gotta you, hunt public. Why? Because you've killed too many. No, no, not ever since I was a kid. Casey doesn't let anyone hunt turkeys except for him on any of the properties. I've always had. He says you go hunt the public. Jesus you Christ, Casey. Stop playing fairy. Exactly. No, he don't, he don't allow it, man. He's like, oh, no, none of the kids. None of us are allowed to hunt turkeys on there. I hunted it one time with my dad. That's it. I've never been allowed to hunt it. It's got so many turkeys, too. I have one Bruce that has like 20 toms on it. Not allowed to touch it. So I, I appreciate that now because I've hunted a lot of public and I've learned a lot of things. But I thought, I'll, go, I'll go find something. I'll go find some more public or find something else. Or, man, I, you know what I'll do? I'll just go to a different state if it ain't gobbling somewhere. God, I'm, hey, I'm, I have, I have I want to talk about. I know we're getting short on time, but Bo, one good thing about moving to Paducah was uh, that you got to met, meet your wife and, and my good friend Lexi. Tell tell us about Lexi a little bit, and tell us about how that came down. She's cool. Uh, the women of the creek, man. Uh, I met I met my other half here in Kentucky. I never in a million years I. I'll tell you, when I touched down off that plane, I'm going to tell you what I learned about Kentucky. And it's changed since then. I wanted to get back on the plane because it's so humid. I'm like, this is trash. I've never felt humidity in my life. It was in the summertime. There are very few women in Kentucky, at least the area that I was in. And then I, I golly, that's, and I did, there was not very much public land. But I met Lexi and I'm like, never, because I had all these dreams of coming here, hunting all the time, 
and all this stuff and and meeting meeting the I and I did. I met the woman of my dreams through Tinder, might I add. We'll put that on no. there. Let's go. <laughs> yep. And hey man, she I I met her the first time I met her. I went to her house. She said it was like a storybook. I she said, now you need to come down the road and find the one with the white porch on the side of the road there. I say, you gone past the airstrip, gone too far. Okay. And I pull up with my buddy Dustin. And I'm like, dude, we're definitely going to get killed here, man. There's no doubt. And I said that in the most northern accent ever, a western accent. And I walk up there, and she comes out, the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And she talks. I'm like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it was downhill from there. She she is a, the huntness, hardness, just humble, amazing woman. And I've ever met in my life, and I never in a million years would have deserved her. But I'm telling you, negative 64 degrees, sleeping in the truck, hunting for 10 days at a time, walking 20 miles, she's in for all of it. She ain't scared of any of it. And so we she's definitely not just there for the picture, that's for sure. I don't think she even necessarily cares about the picture half the time. She just we wants to kill birds. I was talking yeah. to her. I was talking to her uh, at the the show, and uh, it's funny because I was like, "How in the hell did you meet Bo?" And she's like, "Tinder." I was like, "All right, you ain't scared." <laughs> she said, "It's like, my first like on the Tinder." She said, "I I just got Tinder. And I hadn't. He was my first match." I was like, "Well, that was match made in heaven." But uh, she also agrees with me that y'all are a little bit priorities not quite as good as ours. Is deer hunting is the deer hunting reigns supreme with her too? So I really appreciate that. Oh, she loves to hunt deer and squirrels. Well, she's got a squirrel. She's got the squirrel caller she's married to now that can call squirrels because I've heard you do it before. Oh, yeah. We have, man, you just, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you get on here and start talking about it, man. You got, got, we got it made, man. That's awesome. Just, we have so much fun. We got to go all over the world together. We work together and, and she, I mean, just, just it's a great example is I, we went and got a boat this summer. We go bow fishing and catfishing every single night till 10 p.m. midnight. They get back up at 6, 6 a.m. and they go to work. I mean, it, she's just ready for all of it. So, so if you guys, if you guys want to see more about some of the technical side of things, what Bo does, he does a lot of cool videos. Um, he does uh, lives. He'll do all sorts of stuff, making calls, doing calling stuff, hunting stuff. If you guys want to follow him, the best he's a, he's associated with a lot of brands. We we've mentioned them, but the best way to find out more about Bo is get on. Get, if you're on Instagram, it's at bowhunter66 b e a u bowhunter all one word bowhunter66. So uh, if you guys follow him there, I promise you will, you will be entertained by the stuff that you see. It's a great variety. It's cool stuff. And then when you go to that page, you can see the different companies that he works with and. Um, you know, social media is the thing and, and social media marketing is big. And so um, if you check him out um, on there, uh, that would be a way that you can follow along and, and help him out. So if you don't follow Bo already, make sure that you do that.